It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Sacramento Kings general manager Monty McNair has a lot of routes he can take and one major decision to make with his fourth overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Trade the pick, draft a player. We talked a lot about Keegan Murray and Jay Nivey over the last couple of episodes. Now we're getting back on the trade the pick train. I'm going to be joined by Ryland Styles, the host of the Locked on Thunder podcast. Could the Kings and the Thunder be draft night trade partners? Does Sacramento have a chance using the fourth pick and other assets? to land Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Let's talk about it on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January all the way through to December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm looking forward to my ninth season covering the Sacramento Kings professionally. Uh, this is year five for me hosting the Locked On Kings podcast. I currently work for ABC 10 News in Sacramento. If you've been listening to my conversations over the last week on Locked on Kings, you know I've spent some time uh, talking about the Kings trading this pick, spent some time talking about uh, different uh, likely prospects available at four that the Kings could be interested in, shared my opinions. My most recent episodes did an in-depth dive with uh, a beat writer covering Purdue basketball and Jaden Ivey. Very next episode did an in-depth dive on a uh, beat writer covering Iowa basketball on Keegan Murray. So go and check those out and I will be doing more of those. I have a a Duke uh, insider and Duke beat writer coming up, going to talk to us about both AJ Griffin uh, and Paulo Banchero. uh, And I have more beat writers, more national draft analysts. Those are all coming up in the weeks to come, building up to the NBA draft. So I hope you'll continue to tune in and join me for that. But as for today, we're getting back into the mindset of what if the Sacramento Kings traded the fourth overall pick. Realistically, what can they get? And I'll I'll preface uh, every single time I bring up Kings trading the pick, I have to preface it with saying, you do not trade the fourth overall pick unless you're getting minimum a starter caliber player. You, you don't trade it for even two really good role players. You you don't make that decision. You have a chance at with the fourth overall pick to draft a superstar. So I don't know if the Kings are less inclined to trade the pick than maybe they would have been had they stayed at seven. In fact, I was told and had a lot of conversations with people saying that the Kings were going to heavily shop the pick if it stayed at seven now that it's up at four. I believe the Kings are still going to put out feelers. I believe they're still going to take calls at least or maybe even make calls about uh, trading this pick away and seeing what they can get. But the list of players and the list of talent that they're willing to take back for their draft pick has now gotten a lot slimmer. But there might be some talent on the Oklahoma City Thunder 
that the Sacramento Kings are willing to trade their fourth, fourth overall pick for. Of course, the Thunder uh, have the second overall pick. Maybe the Kings and Thunder could uh, find out a way to swap picks. What would the Kings have to give up to move up in the draft? I'm going to be discussing all of this, uh, and I'm going to be throwing out a, a bit of a pipe dream in my conversation with Ryland Styles, host of the Locked on Thunder podcast today. Uh, let me know if you think the Kings and Thunder would be good trade partners. Let me know if there's any players on the Thunder specifically you'd love the Kings to target. You'd be willing to give up number four or four. Or maybe other players in general outside of OKC that you think, hey, this is the type of player that I think has equal value or or is good enough for me to comfortably be willing to say goodbye to the fourth overall pick in this draft for. Let me know who those players are. Think about that a little bit as you're listening to my conversation with the host of the Locked On Thunder podcast and my friend here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Ryland Stiles. Only three teams finished with a draft pick higher than the Sacramento Kings in this draft. One of those teams being the Oklahoma City Thunder, who ended up at number two. I'd say the Kings would rather be in that position, but based on the last time they had the number two pick, didn't go so well. Maybe we're happy to stick at four. But I have Ryland Styles, host of the Locked on Thunder podcast, joining me today. And Ryland, the main thing that we're going to talk about is the possibility of a trade going down with the Kings and the Thunder using the number four pick to potentially give the Thunder two top four picks, which would be pretty interesting. We know the Thunder have plenty of first round draft picks, so they could definitely use another one, of course. But before we dive into the hypothetical trade that I want to propose that I have a pretty good feeling where it's going to go, I wanted to ask, in your mind, in Oklahoma City's mind, like what is the pick at number two, and is it the person you want at that spot, or do you think the person that you want is going to be taken uh, by Orlando one spot ahead of you? Yeah, I think that the pick at number two is going to be Chet Holmgren. I think if you ask Sam Presti, that's who he desperately wants. I mean, you saw him kind of lay the foundation for how an awkward seven-foot playmaker would work in an NBA offense with Poku. Now you take that and get a much better player and a much better talent in Chet and kind of implement that on your NBA roster next year. Uh, as far as that's who Sam Presti would want, my number one on my big board is Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, so I have Chet at number two. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really flip back and forth for me that much. But uh, I, I think that Chet would be a very interesting uh, high swing candidate for the Thunder who are known to be swinging high in these NBA drafts. Assuming the top three is going to be what we expected to be Chet, Jabari, uh, and Paulo, Number four is an interesting spot. You could say it's a power position for the Kings in the sense that they can pick a player and, and screw everything up. They could go where everybody's expecting with like a Jaden Ivey pick. Or if somehow one of those three slides out, the Kings get first dibs and, and, and can grab them. So it's a position uh, that could have some interest in terms of trade value uh, around the league. But Rylan, outside of, let's say, let's play out your perfect scenario. Let's say Jabari goes number one and Chet goes two, or Chet goes one and Jabari goes two. You get one of those two players players, right? Let's say Paulo goes three, Jaden Ivey's there at four, Keegan Murray's there at four, Shaden Sharp's there at four, AJ Griffin's there. Like is in your mind, is there a interest from an Oklahoma city standpoint of man, if, if the thunder did have that fourth pick, there's another really, really good talent there. That could be a massive win for the thunder. I think that Shaden Sharp is a guy that if, if Sam Presti fell in love with these next couple of weeks leading to the draft, I would not be surprised. Uh, he has all of the of the talent, all of the upside. He has that kind of superstar ability about him. And we've seen Sam Presti not be afraid about not drafting a college guy. College is not what Sam Presti's all about. He hasn't taken a college guy with his first pick in a draft since Devon, since Demonte Sabonis, who's now on the Kings. So I, I think that it's not going to worry him. He took Darius Baisley, who was a new balance intern at 21 in the first round. Now it's a lot different to do that at pick four. 
than uh, pick 21. But it just shows that he is comfortable with not seeing you play in college. Terrence Ferguson didn't play in college. That was a guy who was supposed to help a, a Thunder team that was supposed to contend right away. And instead of going the traditional route, he went with Terrence Ferguson from up the road in Tulsa who didn't play in college. Again, the Baisley thing, Chet, I mean, uh, Jabbar, I mean, Paolo and Carroll, no. Uh, Pokashevsky was playing in the second division in Greece. I went through every name in the book, but Pokashevsky was playing in the second division in Greece. And then they took him uh, with 16th and traded up to do so. So I think that it would not shock me at all to see them fall in love with Shaden Sharp in the pre-draft process. If Shaden Sharp has a great private workout, has a great personality and interview about him in the interview session. And of course, medical's clear. That's for every player. So it would not shock me at all if Shaden Sharp is their number four guy on their big board. So Rylan, I have been a fan of the idea of the Kings trading their draft pick this year for a long time. Now, of course, I expected that pick to be more around the seven range, not necessarily in the top four range. The good news is when you move up, your draft pick has higher value. The bad news is when you move up, it's harder to trade because you expect to get higher value. And I was putting together a list of players that uh, not necessarily that I would take, but that I would humor conversations uh, with guys like John Collins, like John Collins, Julius Randall, things like that. And I was also thinking, okay, the Kings also have somewhat of a, a, a pretty big two guard hole right now, uh, trying to establish a starting five. Uh, and I was going through two, two guards that realistically, or maybe unrealistically that, that I could see the Kings at least making an effort, towards using their number four pick and a guy that i absolutely would take no questions asked would be shea gilgis alexander from oklahoma city i understand he just signed a new contract i understand he has uh, a lot of fans there he's young tremendous upside there's a reason why i love sga so much is because oklahoma city and pretty basically everybody else that watches sga uh loves him so much is there even a conversation to be had here? We're going to do it anyway, but is there even a conversation to be had here or is SGA about as untouchable as they come? If if I had to be the GM of the Thunder, I'd say it's as untouchable as they come. I think that with Sam Presti, though, uh, the conversations are always going to be had. I mean, he would have conversations about anybody on any roster ever. Uh, I think that the one thing is in the NBA, you're going to find drama and drama is going to find you. And so far, there's been no drama surrounding Shea and the Thunder. However, uh, the Thunder worked behind the scenes with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Whenever up front, we thought they were going to run it back and try it one more time, even though uh, that, of course, did not happen. So it could be working behind the scenes. However, I'd say that if I had to predict, he's going to stay in Oklahoma City this year, his first year kicking into that max contract, uh, and then move on from there. Uh, moving forward, I will say that the Thunder now have only have locked themselves into having five more years with Shea. Uh, most players do not re-sign after that second contract with the thunder, even, even high end guys, no matter how an organization treats them, they don't resign most of the time. Uh, so you've got five years. Do you think you can win a championship with Shea in five years? And that's kind of where Sam Presti has to decide what route this rebuild is going to take. Uh, so I think that with Shea, ultimately he's not going to get traded. I would be surprised if he was traded this off season. Uh, and I, and I'm not really sure what even you would look for in a trade with SGA because I think if you trade SGA, you're just simply tearing everything down uh, to the point of Sacramento and the, and the point guard shooting guard thing. I think that it could get messy in Sacramento if they were to trade for Shea because Shea has been very outspoken about wanting to be a point guard. And that's been surprising to me in the sense of we saw him thrive off ball with Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder in closing lineups of a three guard lineup that before the pandemic was trending towards home court advantage in the postseason, if we had a regular real season on uh, March 11th, the, the day that we are are famous for, you know, that was a game to decide who got home court for that time and place 
in the Western Conference in the fourth seed between them and Utah. So I think that, you know, seeing it laid out that way of even after you saw how successfully could be off ball with a three guard lineup, now being so adamant about playing point guard, uh, I think could lead to a messy road with the Kings. And also, it's not a bash the Kings segment. It's a They've got to find out how to play with Josh Giddy, who's a non-ball player too, and SGA. So uh, I think that, you know, he did the GQ article where he says he wants to be the best point guard of all time. You can't be the best point guard if you're not playing point guard. Uh, he said in every press conference, he wants to be the point guard and kind of initiate offense and, and lead the way in that sense. So that's a, a tangent here where if you're the Kings, you, if you can find a player who more fits with a guy like Fox, maybe uh, that's maybe that's the kind of route you want to go versus a guy who's been very clear about being a point guard. Interesting. Out of curiosity, if both SGA and De'Aaron Fox were on Sacramento, or let's say both of them were in Oklahoma City, you had to choose between one of the two of them, assuming that both are unhappy or one is unhappy with their current role. I imagine if, if it was in Sacramento, Fox would still be the primary ball handler and Shea would be expected to kind of fall in line there. In Oklahoma City, it might be the other way around. For you personally, between the two of them, who would you choose? Uh, for me, it would be Shea uh, because I think that he's just a better player. And I also think that he's a, a versatile player. I think that this notion that he wants to be the point guard and wants to be the point guard and wants to be the point guard from himself can be talked down. It can be leveled with whenever you show him, look, whenever Josh Giddy has the ball, he's not going to go score every possession. He has the ball to make your life easier. He has the ball to open you up. Uh, and, and, and for the Kings, it could be the same for De'Aaron Fox. We have the ball to open up Shea off ball. And then showing him, look, you succeed in this role with the Clippers, with the Thunder. And you're still going to get your opportunities to be the point guard. You'll still have half the possessions where you're an isolation scorer because that's what he does so well. Shea's never going to be in a spot where he's playing totally off ball because his his most important trait, his, his most elite trait in the NBA – is his isolation scoring and it's him getting to the rim and finishing there and also the drive and kick to set up his teammates. So you, if you eliminate Shea's on ball uh, ability, you just really get him to being a totally off ball player. You've then chopped your nose to spite your face. So Shea in any circumstances with any player is going to get touches on ball. It's just a matter of, is he going to be your quote unquote point guard and how that all operates? I think honestly, it'd be a tougher sell in Sacramento and in Oklahoma city right now to relegate him to off ball because even if you put him in Sacramento, I think that the Kings are, you know, what, a five, six, seven seed at best play in tournament type of team. And you got moved to a new team. You feel like you're better than Fox and you're still not winning at the highest level. I think that that would kind of take over for him in terms of handling the ball and being the point guard in Oklahoma City. You're not even going to be close to, to winning in Oklahoma City. You're going to want the ball in your hands. You're going to want to be the guy making the plays and, and getting the buckets. So, for me, I just envision Shea as a point guard because that's what he envisions himself at. But I will say, I don't think that he's somebody who would be so stubborn as to uh, not play shooting guard at all. I think there's going to be times in games where he has to. So uh, it's just kind of a chicken or the egg argument, so to say, of what comes first. Is unhappiness with the surroundings or is unhappiness with the position? Or can you meditate all of that and just kind of make it all come up and rise to the middle at, at some degree? Today's episode of Locked on Kings is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have these incredible Built Puffs, which are protein-infused marshmallows. Thankfully, uh, around my birthday time, they released the, 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 the cake puffs, which are amazing birthday cake puffs. Now they have a new brownie batter puff. Again, protein-infused marshmallows. They're treats that basically are candy, but they are good for you. 17 grams of protein, 
140 calories, seven grams of sugar. That's it in these brownie batter puffs. They're so delicious. Add those to the amazing built bars that the, uh, the, the, the built bar puts out and with their different flavors covered in hundred percent chocolate, man, everything built puts out. It is absolutely delicious and it is good for you. No matter what you order, make sure you use our promo code, special promo code for locked on listeners. Use promo code locked 15 to get 15% off. Again, that's promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order of puffs or bars at built.com. Is OKC trending towards a choose one or the other, Josh Giddy over or uh, and Shea Gilgis Alexander? Is are we trending in that direction? And if so, do you have a kind of inkling or an idea of what OKC would choose in that scenario? Well, I, I don't think it's trending towards that way yet because uh, Josh Giddy has been ever since he's gotten Oklahoma City, even before he even arrived in Oklahoma City, he has been just fawning over SGA mm. on draft night. Whenever he went backstage and talked to those of us in the media on draft night, the first thing he said was, I'm so excited to play with Shea because I've never gotten the opportunity to play with another lead guard before in Australia. I've never been on a team that had another guard. I was always the only one to handle the ball, initiate the offense. And it, it puts a lot of pressure on you to do that. So before he even landed in Oklahoma city, he was hyping up Shea this entire season, even throughout their ups and their downs, he's been hyping up Shea. And then in his end of conference, you know, end of season press conference, he said everything's about Shea. He said, first of all, whenever I have the ball, I understand that my role in my offense, my, my role in this offense is to get Shea the ball. That's my role. It's not to go score. It's not to go do anything else. I only have the ball in my hands to get it back to Shea because that's the guy we want with the ball in his hands. To me, if you have a teammate like that, you're not going to have a problem with him. If, if he understands his role is to get you the ball right back. And, and I don't know if Fox would be willing to take that on that kind of role to keep relationships kind of smooth in, in Sacramento. Number two, uh, Josh Giddy did let us in on a little secret that, you know, he had his hip injury the game after the All-Star break against Phoenix. However, that game against Phoenix, right whenever Josh Giddy got hurt and they never played together again, was their very best game. And he said, you know why that was mm -hmm. our very best game? We had a conversation together, me, Shea, uh, head coach Mark Dagnon, and then the Thunder as an organization had a conversation. And he thinks that that conversation put them on a better plane to be successful together. Granted, we only we never have to see it again. We're going to see it for one game after that conversation. But it seems as though Josh Giddy is doing everything in his power to make this duo work. And it's hard to turn your back on a teammate that's doing that for you. All right, Rylan, let's say that Kings general manager Monty McNair got Sam Presti to pick up the phone and actually humor this SGA conversation. I know four is not enough, plus financially it doesn't work. Where does this conversation have to start to even get Oklahoma City to consider parting from SGA? It's so hard because you're... The King, do the Kings even have it? Like, the Kings might not even have the package necessary. I'm not sure that anyone has the package necessary. This is not a kind of a, a, a traditional bash the King segment. I don't think that there's a, a, rel, a, a place out there right now that could get Shea because it's not like last year where... You, you had the sixth pick and you thought the world was ending before you lucked into Josh Giddy. You know, mm -hmm. this year you have the number two overall pick. So it's not like you can move up in this year's draft. Next year, let's say that you give the Kings unprotected pick next year. Well, if I'm giving you Shea, the Kings aren't going to be in the running for Victor, who is the prize of next year's draft. So that's mm -hmm. not even giving me another shot at Victor. And that's the same thing for if I give Shea to Orlando or give Shea to Houston or give Shea to anywhere for an unprotected pick. Whoever I give Shea to is going to trade all of that and take on that max contract to not shut him down halfway through the year. They're going to play him. They're going to ride it out, and they're going to be a play-in team because Shea almost drug the team with Al Horford to the play-in before they started shutting everybody down. That's how much of a winner that Shea is. So I don't know how 
in the world there's a package right now given the thunder's lottery luck that can take shea off the team this year because it just doesn't make sense i i think that with shea uh you know he is such a a winner that whoever you give it to is going to immediately decrease the value of your unprotected first round pick and the thunder have 17 future first round picks i mean they 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 can always use more. I, I don't buy into the notion that you just have way too many. You just can't, you just, you, you should stop getting money. If that was the case, we wouldn't have billionaires and trillionaires, but you know, the value of them goes down depreciately whenever you have the number two overall pick and you get the second guy in a draft and the team ahead of you is Orlando. Are they really going to take the best guy in the draft? Eh, probably not. They're probably going to take the guy that Sam Presti wants. So I, I just don't see a pathway to move off of Shea this year or why it would make any sense for the Thunder to do so for any team, uh, not just the Kings. It's just what would be what would be your best offer? What's that line you can't cross? If I put you in the GM chair for the Kings right now today, tell me what line you would not cross. What would you get up to and offer Sam Presti for the final before I hung up the phone? It, I wouldn't cross the line of both Fox and Sabonis. I think uh, one or the other in the conversation is realistic, maybe not with four, um, but I don't, I, I, it's, that's tough. And I, I kind of understand or understood or, or believe that this was going to be part of the conversation too. And you, you bring up an excellent point about how OKC's draft position really secured their future with Shea in a lot of ways. It sounds like if Kings fans were rooting for the idea of an SGA trade to Sacramento, essentially they were rooting for the Oklahoma city to get worst case scenario in the draft lottery. And they got second best. So maybe as soon as that that card came out that that the Thunder got the second overall pick, any chance of an SGA trade to Sacramento, and it sounds like anywhere in the NBA, at least for the short term, was killed. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, you think about it too. I mean, just Fox and Sabonis, if you're the Thunder, you have Shea graded higher. I know that Kings fans might have those two guys graded higher than Shea, but if you're the Thunder, you have, you have Shea graded higher than Sabonis and Fox. So you'd be swapping out Shea for a worse player in your eyes and not getting the fourth overall pick to where all you do is make the team worse, but it's not like you traded Shea for a bum. So those two guys are not going to get you closer to being the worst team in the league, which if you trade Shea, you'd want to be. If you trade Shea, you've waved the white flag of, we want to be the very, very, very worst team in the league next year and pray that we get the first overall pick and draft Victor. And that is our new core because Victor's timeline would fit with Chet and you'd move forward with that. Plus your 17 future first round picks. But here's the thing though, if you're the thunder and you have those first round picks and you can just go out and go get another, a new disgruntled star, why wouldn't you keep your own star and just add that star to Shea in a couple of years, right? So if you're the thunder, you could have Shea, then you could have Chet, then you could have Giddy next year. You in a loaded draft class, even if you don't get number one, you're still gonna get a very good player next year in the draft and then go trade for Carlton Towns, or and then go trade for Donovan Mitchell, or then go trade for Rudy Gobert, and then go trade for whoever's out there at the time, Bradley Beal, whoever's out there for the Thunder. And now all of a sudden, you've got a really strong nucleus in Oklahoma City and draft picks left over. Whereas if you trade Shea, you're always going to be searching for Shea. Because as much as we all love Josh Giddy, he's not Shea. As much as we all love the idea of Chet Holmgren, he won't be Shea. The same thing with Jabari Smith, the same thing with Paul Ben Carroll. None of those guys project to be as good as Shea is. So you're going to be searching and searching and searching for Shea this entire time. Whereas now you've already got at least one of those guys, because I think that Shea at worst is a number two option for a team that can go in a championship. And those guys do not just come out of nowhere. No matter how often you tank, no matter how good your GM is, no matter what trades you make, it's very hard to get those guys on your roster. Well, I knew before I hit record that this was a pipe dream, but you done gone and crushed it, Ryland. Thank you very much. And an even more depressing question. 
who is closer to actually, I won't say just making the playoffs because that doesn't necessarily mean anything. As much as the Kings would love to make the playoffs for the first time in 16 freaking seasons, it doesn't matter if you don't build upon that. Do you think Oklahoma City is closer to building a dynasty than the Sacramento Kings are at this point? Uh, I'm going to end with another question for you too, but for this question, I, uh, I, I struggled to to say the Kings are in a better spot for a dynasty because you just look what the Thunder have done. The Thunder have Shea and Giddy. How would you, as a Kings fan, grade out Shea and Giddy? I think that Shea again is a number one, number two, whatever, and maybe Fox negates that. Does Sabonis negate what Shea could become? I mean, but does Sabonis negate what Giddy could become with as long as Giddy's under contract? Giddy's locked in to your organization for eight more seasons. Not the case, I don't think, for Sabonis, obviously. So you have two foundational pieces right there. Then you go draft Chet. If you believe in Chet, then then you think that Chet is already a three-headed monster that we're the Thunder. Check all the boxes, one, two, and three. The Thunder have the three better players to start. Then you move on to the Thunder can go trade for any disgruntled star they want to. So if they could, if they wanted to this offseason, they could go overwhelm whoever comes available. Donovan Mitchell with the Utah Jazz, just give them seven first-round picks, get Donovan Mitchell to Oklahoma City, and just go in for whatever that team could make. Or they could sit and wait and get the new CBA in their hand next year with the new 2023 CBA. That way they don't get screwed over by any of the language in there as they do with the Kevin Durant year, whenever they lost Kevin Durant, and then move forward from there in 2023 with a clean cap sheet. I think that the Kings also, though, can create enough salary cap. I don't think that's a problem for the Kings. But for the Thunder, the 27.5 mil you owe to Kimball Walker comes off the books this year. Derek Favors' 10 mil comes off the books this year. You're not paying Kyle Singler anymore next year to where next year you're literally only owed uh, one max contract in Shea. And then the rest of your guys, as of right now today, are on first-year uh, contracts, are on rookie-scale contracts. You have everything at your disposal next year in terms of salary cap. You have 17 future first-round picks. You have the best GM or one of the best GMs in the sport. I don't see how many teams are are ahead of the thunder in terms of building a, a the next dynasty in the uh, NBA. It's funny thinking about the Oklahoma city roster, as much as I'd love to have Shea Gil Gilgis Alexander on the Sacramento Kings, I would be nervous from a Kings perspective. If the, if both teams swapped rosters, I would be nervous because you're putting a lot in your hands of your player development system, which the Kings have notoriously struggled with. So if Oklahoma City can find a way to get all these players to to pan out and develop to reach the potential of being top picks year after year after year. I I think I agree with you. However, Sacramento has changed their route to in trading Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. They changed the route of we're going to go and get proven NBA talent now that we don't have to develop. We just know what they're going to bring right now. And hopefully that'll wake the Aaron Fox the hell up to be worth the money that they paid him and to reach the all-star status that they believe he still can be. And then with a sprinkle of a fourth overall pick right here, or by trading the fourth overall pick to get another player who's already NBA ready to plug in. The Kings are definitely more short-term while OKC is more long-term, but I don't know. Kings fans, you can let me know in the comment section down below. I wouldn't be too surprised, even if it meant the playoff drought extending for another two, three seasons. I wouldn't be too surprised if there were some Kings fans that wanted to swap rosters. There also might be some Kings fans that are throwing tomatoes at their screen right now thinking that's absurd. The Kings are in a much better place. So regardless, Kings, Thunder, they're going to be fun to watch in their own ways. Ryland, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for crushing my dreams of SGA as usual. <laughs> and I look forward to chatting with you again in the near future about whatever other hypothetical dumb trade we can come up with. I have one more dumb trade. Since you've needled my fan base a little bit here at the Thunder, I got. Would you take twelve Dort for four? No, 
<laughs> no, <laughs> I, I like Dort. I like Dort a lot. Dort would do a lot of things. Dort actually, was it Tyrese or was it De'Aaron that Dort made look foolish this year? I think it was De'Aaron. Yeah, I think I think Dort made De'Aaron look absolutely foolish this year. I like Dort a lot defensively. Dort does a lot of what the Kings need defensively. I think the Kings are also hopeful that Davion Mitchell can become their Dort in their own ways. So no, I'm the only way I'm trading number four for me personally, the only way I'm trading number four is if I'm getting an established NBA starter, I think Dort could be that maybe not in Sacramento for the Kings to make the jump they're looking to make. So I personally would say no. Also, I'm not too familiar with who's really available in that 12 range that the Kings would really uh, be interested in. But the fact that OKC has got two first round picks already in this draft, I'm going to be keeping an eye on them regardless. Cause man, y'all, like you said, with all those draft picks that Presti got the Oklahoma city thunder, are just a ticking time bomb in my mind too. If they want to, they can say, all right, we're taking over the league or we're, we're, we're shutting this down. All of your trades or, or your hypothetical trades and trade rumors are garbage because we have this treasure trove. So keep your eye on OKC, man. It's going to be fun. It will be fun. And I think the, I think that from a Kings perspective, you absolutely say no to Dort and 12 uh, for four, unless you just had some grand mastermind plan behind the scenes where it's going to be a Woj tweet every five seconds where, sure, we, we now have Dort and 12, but we just traded 12 for Jeremy Grant, and now we've gone all in on this one year to just break our playoff drought. Don't care about winning a title. We just want to break the playoff drought, and now we have a lineup of Fox, Dort, Mitchell, you know, Grant, and then uh, Rashawn Holmes is probably still hanging around, I think, right? And you're just going to move forward with that team. Well, you you probably are giving uh, some Kings fans listening right now twitches because that's a, that's uh, with Monty McNair not extending his contract yet, and with his fear of losing his job unless the Kings win. I'm not saying that's a probability, but there's maybe a 10% chance that that fear creeps in. So I appreciate you, Rylan. Now that you've broken both our hearts and our brains, uh, and uh, we'll we'll do it again soon. Big thank you to Ryland for joining me here on Locked on Kings, even if he did shoot down my dream of Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the Kings. I had a feeling that it probably wasn't going to be the case, but maybe there are other players on that Oklahoma City roster that the Kings could be interested in. Who knows? The idea of having OKC with two top four picks in this year's draft, its I'm sure it's enticing a little bit to their fan base and maybe a little bit enticing to Presti and everybody over there, but not enticing enough, sounds like, to get rid of Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Oh, well as expected. At least I tried. I can say that I tried here. We are going back to more amazing draft coverage here on Locked on Kings starting next week. Have, uh, like I mentioned earlier, a Duke beat writer coming on. I have a couple, actually three national draft analysts coming on. One uh, who should be very familiar to you, very well known here on the Locked on Podcast Network, Rafael Barlow. Can't wait to have him join me uh, later on in the week. So the draft coverage keeps on keeping on. And if you liked those uh, those local perspective interviews with beat writers of of, uh, of the schools that some of these top prospects played for, like Keegan Murray and Jaden Ivan, you want me to do that. But for other prospects, let me know who, and I'd be happy to reach out uh, and schedule those and get all that done for you as we head up to the draft still, I think around 30 days away or something like that. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. we got a lot of time to kill, but a lot of time to do deep dives. Again, let me know who you uh, are, 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 are liking at that fourth spot if you're the Sacramento Kings to draft, who you trade the fourth overall pick for. Uh, and of course, if you could help us reach our goal of 350 reviews uh, on the, uh, the the Locked on Kings podcast on Apple Podcasts, we're at like 316 right now. We get to 350 and I will buy a pair of Kings opening night, their home opener tickets, and I will be giving them away to a Locked on Kings listener. Uh, so if you could create an account, if you don't have one already, hit five stars, leave a little blurb, 
about what you like about the podcast. Uh, why do you encourage other Kings fans or fans in general to listen to the pod? I really would appreciate that. And I look forward to being able to treat some of you uh, to the, the Kings home opener. And this will not be the last ticket giveaway this season that I do. So appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me next week. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.